Welcome to today's message from Refuge Point Church. We would love for you to join us for one of our exciting worship gatherings each Sunday at either 9.30 a.m. or 11.15 a.m. We're located right off of I-85 in downtown West Point, Georgia. For more information, check us out online at www.refugepointchurch.org. Or you can download our church app by searching for Refuge Point Church in iTunes or Google Play. Now, here's today's message. Chapter 3. Uh, just real quick, I, I promise you I'm not going to be long with you, uh, as I believe that the Lord has already kind of uh, done a work with just the, um, the testimony uh, that Ben and Lacey have given us uh, this morning. Uh, but just real quick before I get into the text, next Sunday uh, is a pretty cool day for us as a church as we will be celebrating uh, nine years as a church. And... Um, and so what a testament. We're not celebrating Refuge Point. We're celebrating the faithfulness of God uh, because had it not been the faithfulness of God, uh, Refuge Point wouldn't be here. And, uh, and so I just want to thank you all for helping us uh, reach that huge, huge milestone for us as a church. Uh, so next week we're going to party, if that's okay with y'all. Uh, we're going we're gonna to grill out after the service, so y'all bring a lawn chair and all that kind of stuff. We're going we're gonna to celebrate. No potluck. I still ain't there yet, but uh, at, after nine years, if I ain't at potluck, guess what? We ain't never going to have potluck as long as I'm the pastor, okay? Anyway, uh, Limitations chapter three uh, is an interesting, interesting uh, passage of scripture, uh, but it's a very real scripture that you're probably, after we read the first uh, 20 verses, you're going to be like, did God really mean to put that in the Bible? Uh, it's one of those things you probably don't memorize as believers, and you probably won't recite to your children uh, either for a bedtime story. Um, I want to finish up this series on, on that phrase, what a hang-up is. A hang-up is really kind of that emotion uh, that, we're, that we're really just hung up on. So it could be anything. It could be anger. It could be hurt. It could be that resentment that you feel. A lot of what you heard from Lacey was that she was dealing with the hang-ups of life. It wasn't necessarily maybe an addiction for her, uh, but it was a hang-up. It was that resentment that she had uh, towards Ben. It was that hurt, is that anger. So really, it's just kind of um, a bent towards your thinking, and really, it's that, that emotive kind of trauma that you are living through, and you really just can't get past. So honestly, that's if I could summarize what a hang-up is, uh, that's, that's really what a hang-up is. And so I want us to, to kind of narrow down on what the Bible says and really uh, what a, one individual who probably is the king of hang-ups uh, named Jeremiah. Now, this passage is interesting because here is Jeremiah. You may know him as uh, the, the song, Jeremiah was a bullfrog, something like that, which I still don't get. Uh, maybe I'll never get. But anyway, uh, so here's Jeremiah. Jeremiah has witnessed... Uh, really kind of the pinnacle of uh, Israel kind of being demolished. So here is Jeremiah. He's witnessed family members. He's had friends who have been exiled out of their city. Israel at this point has hardened their hearts to the Lord. They keep denying God. They keep turning back to their own ways. And so God's like, all right, fine. I'll turn you over to the depravity of your own thinking by doing what? He sends them out of their own hometown, out of the promised land that he promised to them. And he sends them out into exile into Babylon. And so here's Jeremiah, my boy, who gets a really terrible job. 
All right, if you think your job sucks, then, sorry, if you think your job stinks, uh, children, you shouldn't repeat after your pastor. He's a bad influence. If you think you got a bad job, then you don't know my boy Jeremiah. So here's Jeremiah. He has witnessed his family. He's witnessed his friends go out and be tortured. And so here's Jeremiah left behind. He's even witnessed the incredible Solomon's temple be destroyed which was a pinnacle for the, the Jews. It was a pinnacle for their culture. And here's Jeremiah. He's witnessing all of these things. And so there's just a few of these cats left here in Jerusalem. And so here's where God comes in, and he gives him this wonderful job description. you got to check this out because this is hilarious. God says, Jeremiah, I'm going to use you, and you're going to just tell everyone that their ladder will be worse. Could you imagine that? You know, we love the passage. Oh, my ladder going to be greater than my past. Thank you, Jesus. My you know what I'm, you knew that scripture? And your ladder will be greater. Thank you, Lord. I mean, we love, we'll, we'll claim and name and grab it and blab that one now. But, but here's Jeremiah. He's like, no, 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 no. God tells Jeremiah, you tell them that their future actually is going to be worse than what it is right now. Because the Babylon, the, this empire, this, these savages are going to come in. And make sure there's not a single one of you left in your hometown. So here's the crazy catch to it. Jeremiah goes and he, be, and he, he becomes God's uh, voice to the remain, remaining people there. And none of them listen. Not only do you get this crappy job from God, but now you are the voice of God to where no one will listen to a word you say. In fact, what Jeremiah chapter 38 would say, that these very own people of Jeremiah, they would take him and throw him in a pit. Here's a man following after God. All right, hear me now, because this is critical in our Western society. A man who is doing everything that God told him to do and everything that he does leads him in a ditch. That's not the success we want. Oh, God called me to pastor. That means the church is going to be incredible, and we're going to grow to millions of people, and, and I'm going to finally get that jet that's worth, you know, and then when that one stings, I'm going to go ask the church for another one. They're going to grant it to me, and we're going to live in prosperity, 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 prosperity. But what if God calls you to do something, you get thrown into a ditch? Yeah. Here's the king of hangups. Here's a man who has probably dealt more hangups than you and I collectively will never deal with. And he's asking the question, and I think that we all ask when we've been filled with disappointment after disappointment, God, why are you doing this to me? Isn't that what we do? When I'm in my discouragement, when I'm in my disappointments of life, I'm not going to blame me whose fault it was. No, I'm going to go, God, look, what have you done? In fact, what, what one of the words in Hebrew would mean when, when Jeremiah goes up to, to make his, his plea to God, he said, God, you've sabotaged me. You've left me out here for the wolves to devour me. <coughs> so let's talk about hangups this morning, Okay. All right, then you and I, we probably have some hangups in our life, but let's be straight. You ain't Jeremiah. Here's a man who's been thrown in the ditch butt naked by his very own people because he's following after the Lord. 
I hear this all the time in ministry, and, and I hear this, especially when young people are going into ministry or, or people, other pastors or ministers, I always, always hear them like, well, things are going bad. That must suggest that I'm on the wrong path. <laughs> or you're doing what, exactly what God told you to do, and just perhaps you may end up in a ditch because that may be where God wants you. Everybody encouraged yet? Some of you are fired up. You're like, I'm ready to go take charge this city in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Okay, here we go. So this is Lamentations, lament, all right? That's what this word means. So you got to think, when I'm lamenting, things aren't good. All right, I don't lament when I'm on the mountaintop, when I'm praising Jesus. I'm lamenting because things are in the pits of a toilet. Amen? Not just any toilet, but a toilet in a gas station. A toilet in the gas station in Mexico, all right? You know what I'm saying? I mean, this is bad, okay? Or a toilet in Hubley. Anyway, uh, Lamentations chapter 3, let's read it, all right? Just going to read. Uh, it's quite a bit, but hang with me, all right? Told you I wasn't going to be long. I got 10 more minutes. That's a lie. Lamentations chapter 3, verse 1. I am the man who has seen affliction under the rod of God's wrath. He has driven me away and forced me to walk in darkness instead of light. Yes, he repeatedly turns his hand against me all day long. He has worn away my flesh and skin. He has broken my bones. He has laid siege against me, encircling me with bitterness and hardship. He has made me dwell in darkness like those who have been dead for ages. He has walled me in so I cannot get out. He has weighed me down with chains. Even when I cry out and plead for help, he blocks out my prayer. He has walled in my ways with blocks of stone. He has made my paths crooked. He is a bear waiting in ambush, a lion in hiding. He forced me, unless you're that guy that like attacked the lion. Did y'all see that a few weeks ago? The dude like killed the lion with his bare hands. Now you may be a, a man, Ben, but are you that kind of man? Anyway, I'm digressing way too much. He's a lion in hiding. He forced me off my way and tore me to pieces. He left me desolate. He strung his bow and set me as the target for his arrow. And he pierced my kidneys with shafts from his quiver. I am a laughingstock to all my people. Mocked by their songs all day long, he filled me with bitterness, satiated me with wormwood. He ground my teeth with gravel and made me cower in the dust. I have, I don't hear nobody shouting amen yet. I have been deprived of peace. I have forgotten what prosperity is. Then I thought my future's lost as well as my hope from the Lord. Remember my affliction and my homelessness, the wormwood and the poison. Wormwood is just a bitter plant. I continually remember them and have become depressed. Speaking of depression, <laughs> right? Is it, does that not like make you just want to go like, wow, bro needs a hug, man. Like, can we just get him a drink and a hug? I mean, I know, I know we're talking about Celebrate Recovery here, but uh, anyway, uh, have you ever felt like what my boy Jeremiah is feeling? That type of despair where you go, 
God, it was you that did this. So who is the he that he's talking about in here? He did this. He had the bears waiting to maul me. He had the lions in hiding. He's the one that had his arrow pointed right at me, who wanted to pierce me in my kidneys from his quiver. He's the one. Who is he talking about? He's not talking about Satan. He's not talking about his, his, his home folk. God. He's talking about God. God, you're the one who's done this to me. Have you ever been there in your life? You ever felt the weight of this trauma and these emotions that you're going through and you've just resolved in your mind that it's God's fault that led you here to die? I mean, if I were to stop this passage right now, and, and let's be, I'm going to just be completely honest with you here. If I were to stop reading this passage right now, I would think that Jeremiah was about to end his own life. Yeah. Yeah. He's at that point where, where nothing else can go wrong because it's all just rained down a big pile of crap on me and I can't get out of it. That's a hang-up. He is experiencing so much trauma emotionally that he is now just led to believe that there's no good from this world. I'm, I'm, I'm done. God is the one who has caused all of this on me. I mean, have you, let's be honest. Like, How many of you have ever felt that, that weight of going through some situation? You're wondering why something ain't happening, and so what do you do? You're like, God, why are you doing this to me? Why are you allowing this to happen to me? It's this weight of this emotional breakdown that Jeremiah is having. And I got to wonder, like, why would God allow this in the Bible? I mean, I don't think none of you are going to go home and memorize this. God is like the lion, but not like the good lion, the lion that's going to kill me. God's like the bear who's going to maul my face off. I mean, who's going to, who wants that image of God, right? I mean, this is, this is the image that Jeremiah is giving to us about God. Here's the thing. Jeremiah is being led by his emotions, and his feelings are true. His feelings about God are true, but here's the deal with this. They're not accurate. His emotions are true. Yes, his emotions are, they're not, I mean, they're, they're real. The reason why God allowed this in the scripture is so that you wouldn't have to feel like you're the only one that's going through your hang-up. The reason why God allows this in the scripture so that you can see the Bible's not all this fairy dust and beautiful love, 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 love stuff. The Bible has included this man who's going through so much emotional trauma so that you could realize you're not the only person who's going through this hang up in your life. And so here's Jeremiah just completely honest with where he's at. And here's the incredible thing. God did not turn his back on him in his honesty, which suggests this. You and your anger and you shaking your fist up to the heavens, God is not moved in the opposite direction of you when you do that. He's the God of the cosmos. He can handle it. 
He can handle your bitterness. He can handle your anger. He can handle your hurt. He's not like your child that when you get angry at them, they cower. (laughs) God's not like that at all. He's not like, I can't believe you're mad at me. I'm going to take my toys and run. That's not God. What a terrible God that would be. God is not, I don't know where I get these voices from. They're, they're in my head, and sometimes I just got to let them out before, which is kind of a problem. But anyway, so here is this wonderful encouragement for us, and the encouragement is, is that you're not alone. The encouragement is, is that this is not the end of Jeremiah's story right here. So look at verse 21, and he's going to give us a resolve and really kind of a, uh, 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 an out of this dark, abysmal hole that we find Jeremiah in. So, so verse 21, I mean, just think about all that weight we just got put on us, and now listen to what he says. Yet I call this to mind, and therefore I have hope. Because of the Lord's faithful love, we do not perish going to make up that like a vast majority of us we have spiritual dementia i mean let's just suggest that 99 percent of you have it all right i mean god does something so incredible in our lives and what happens a day later we are so prone to forget the good thing that god just did for us something bad happens it just negates all that stuff that god did for us in our lives But here's where Jeremiah is having to remind us, how are you going to ever get through this emotional despair that you're in is to constantly remember God's faithful love for you. It may not seem, you may not think that God's being faithful right now, but he's been faithful to you in the past. And so you've got to start reminding yourself of those things. You cannot lead by your emotions and your feelings, you can't have those things leading you. Because listen to me very carefully. Your feelings and your emotions, honey, they ain't got no brain. Like, think about that. You control your emotions and your feelings. This is what we get. This is what we get all the time. Like, and, and I'll hear this sometimes after maybe on a Sunday or something on a Monday. 
uh, well, pastor, I just wasn't feeling the Lord there. <laughs> Y'all ever heard that? Let's be honest. How many of you ever said that before? Well, I just went, we got one person that's honest. Thank you. Thank you, Mama <laughs> Pat. Well, I just wasn't feeling that worship. Well, I just wasn't feeling that sermon. Well, I just wasn't feeling this. What are you, are you, honey, your feelings don't have a brain, Okay. So here's where one of the demonic dangers of being led by your feelings. You'll get an emotional experience from the Lord, and suddenly when that emotional experience is no longer there, then you just say, well, I guess that wasn't real. I guess God doesn't live in me, and I guess I'm not saved. See how damaging it is to be led by your feelings and your emotions? Some of you are craving for some emotive feeling to happen to you in a worship service. Well, God is more than just some kind of emotional feeling. Because emotions and feelings, they're fleeting. You have to remind yourself, and, and I've heard preachers say this before, you have to gospel yourself. This is what Jeremiah is doing. He's, he's constantly talking to himself. You know the most uh, influential person in your life? You know who that is? It's you. You know who I talk to the most during the day? Myself, I do it out loud, I do it in my head, I answer myself. I've often heard that if you answer yourself, you're crazy. Hello, my name is Matthew, and I'm crazy. You're all in good company here, because here's what I know about you. <laughs> you crazy too, honey. I know everybody ain't going to want to tell you that, but I just wanted to tell you. I told you all this is really encouraging this morning. All right. <laughs> and myself answers me back. Yeah, that's, and that's a whole nother level of crazy that some of you probably ain't there yet, but give it a couple more years, you'll be there. All right? I have, to, I have to talk to myself. I have to remind myself Christ's love for me. I have to remind myself of what he's done for me. Listen, I've been in that dark night of the soul. I've seen it, and I've witnessed it with my own eyes. I have felt the bitterness of betrayal by friends, by family. I have seen death with my own eyes. I have witnessed trauma with my children. I have witnessed these trauma that you go through. I've been there with some of you through it, so I get it. And in those moments, if I'm relying on my feeling of the Lord, then it's going to fool me. And so in those moments, i got to remind myself, God, you are faithful. God, your steadfast love knows no end. The great reformer of our faith, Martin Luther, when he stood against the heresy of Catholicism, it is written in some of his writings that his wife would have had to hide some of his knives because she feared that he would kill himself. He understood the weight of the brokenness of this world. And sometimes he would write that I feel like I'm at the gates of hell and I cannot think of Christ no more. He gets it. So we can't say Jeremiah wasn't a Christian. He, he was chosen by God. So, so it's okay for you to have these feelings. I'm just telling you, you've got to start reminding yourself of God. 
reminding yourself of the gospel. So there, there's one thing that Jeremiah immediately does. He begins to remind himself of all that God has done. And so the other thing is he gives himself God's perspective. Listen to verse 32. Uh, we didn't read this, but look at 32. Even if he causes suffering, he'll show compassion according to the abundance of his faithful love. Here's Jeremiah kind of taking out his perspective and regaining God's perspective of the situation. The situation looks terrible, but God's perspective is that he's going to bring you through. God's perspective is because of the work of the cross of Christ, you have total victory over everything. You may not be feeling, you may not be experiencing that right now, but true perspective is, gospel perspective is, is that you win. Not off of your merits, not off of what you can do to win, but you win because Christ won. You win because Christ conquered the grave. That's God's perspective for you. You may feel lost but God's perspective for you is that he has you in the palm of his hand. And his perspective of you is that neither life nor death nor anything can pluck you from the palm of his hand. That's God's perspective of you. God's perspective of you is that he loved you first even before you could even think about loving him. That's God's perspective of you. God's perspective of you is even before the foundations of the earth were laid, while you were in your mother's womb, Christ loved you. And he had a plan for your life. That's his perspective for you. So we have to remind ourselves of the gospel. We have to regain Christ's perspective of ourselves. And then lastly here, we have to just keep moving. Look at 22. Because of the Lord's faithful love, we do not perish, for his mercies never end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. So today may feel like, bad, like, like pretty cruddy for you, or, or maybe you're going to experience that day where it feels dark. Just like the dawn comes every day, here's God's mercies to give you what you need Amen. every day his mercies are new so even in that darkness that you're feeling here's his mercy coming may not feel his mercy now but his mercy is going to come so we keep pressing into that yes. keep moving forward into that new mercy that god gives us every yes. single day yes. his mercies are new for us morning after morning great is his what his faithfulness. Here it is again. You're reminding yourself back at those times where God moved. Okay. Reminding yourselves of those times when God made a way. You, you got to remind yourselves back when those moments where you were lost and Christ came and he redeemed you. You got to remind yourselves of these constantly. There's not another guy in the Bible I could think of than Jeremiah who's been through some hangups in his life. And here it is, Jeremiah. How do we overcome habits? How do we overcome hurts? How do we overcome these hang-ups? Here's, here's what we could do. We can view this through the lens of the gospel. Think about that. 
think about when, when, I, when I was looking at that word wormwood, I found that that is the same word used as gall, which was from Matthew chapter 27, verse 35, I believe, that when Christ was on the cross, they tried to offer him wine mixed with gall. Here's an image of Christ in Jeremiah chapter 3, verse 1, verse uh, through uh, 20 here. Who was the one that ultimately was led out of exile? Christ. Being led out of Jerusalem with a whip to his back, carrying the cross. Who was the one that was fed the wormwood? It was, it was Christ. Who was the one that took the shot of the arrow in his side? Who was that? It was Christ. Who was the one who was the one that was ultimately mauled by the lions and by the bears? It was Christ through his crucifixion. So, so here we go. Christ took on Lamentations chapter 3, verse 1 through 20 so that you and I could rejoice in the latter part of Lamentations here. Christ absorbed the cup of the wrath of God. Get this now, church, so that you and I could partake in the cup of his steadfast love. Christ died so we can live. Christ absorbed the pain of the wrath of God so that we could live freely in him. Christ is here in Lamentations. This is the gospel at its finest, that Christ absorbed the depression so that you can live in joy, that Christ absorbed the pain that you endure in your life so that you can walk freely into his resurrection. Here is Christ partaking of the cup of wrath so that we can live in Lamentations 3, verse 21, so that we can live in the freedom, so that we can walk in the resurrection of Christ. Christ did that so that we can live free. That's the gospel. The gospel is everywhere. Christology in all of the Old Testament, it's there. It's all about him. He took on this pain so that you and I can live freely. He took on that pain so that we might be healed. He took on that. And if there's not another greater person that felt the wrath of this hang-up from Jeremiah, it was Jesus. This is why Isaiah chapter 51 would describe Jesus as our suffering servant. God allows this in the scriptures so that you and I can realize that this Bible isn't just all about these fairy tales. This Bible is real. And he shows us this image of what suffering looks like, what a hang-up looks like, so that you know you're not alone, and so that you know that Christ went through it too. you got to look to Jesus. Are you in a habit? Are you in a hurt? Are you in a hang-up? I-, I can give you four steps, right? Give you ten steps to a better life, ten steps to getting out of your hang-up of your marriage. You know how long those 10 steps will last? Maybe a minute at best. But I can tell you to look to Christ. And my friends, that will change your life. 
What's the hurt you got? What's, what's the hurt that, that you're holding on to? What's the habit that you're hanging on to? What's the hang-up that you just can't get beyond? What is that that you need to surrender over to the Lord? Last week, I asked you to write it down. Write down what your habit is that you need to lay before, the, before Christ and give it over to him and surrender it over to him. I'm asking you again, what's, what's the hurt that you got that you just can't get past? What's the hang-up? What's that emotional trauma that you just can't get beyond? Here's what, man. Would you surrender that over to Christ? Is it God? It's yours. It's all you. You handle it. Maybe it's your life you need to surrender. What is that? Maybe, maybe you're just so caught up in yourself. God's asking you, hey, can I, can I have that part of you too? Can I, can I have you? I mean, ultimately, that's what Christ is after, your heart. Will you surrender that over to him? Thanks for tuning in to Refuge Point Church's broadcast. We hope you were both challenged and encouraged by today's message. We would love for you to join us at one of our exciting worship gatherings each Sunday at either 9.30 a.m. or 11.15 a.m. We're located right off of I-85 in downtown West Point, Georgia. For more information, check us out online at www.refugepointchurch.org. Or you can download our church app by searching for Refuge Point Church in iTunes or Google Play.